All right, we're going live here recording. So tonight we're looking at the subject matter, seeking and prevailing in meekness. Please take your Bibles and go to the book of Zephaniah. The book of Zephaniah. I bet you haven't been there in a while. <laughs> the book of Zephaniah. And as you're going there, I just want to uh, reiterate or lay out to you once again um, at a very peak time in the church and since the birth of the church in Acts 19.20, Paul recorded um, the victory of the church when he declared, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. And there are lots of things that led to that moment, to that Acts 19.20. But one of those things I think that has been neglected by the church individually as well as collectively is this whole subject matter around the principle of meekness. Without meekness, Acts 19.20 would have never occurred. And you're going to see that deeper and deeper tonight. Without meekness, Acts 19 and 20 would have never occurred. So here in the book of Zephaniah, chapter 2, great Old Testament record, we'll start here. Look what it says in verse 3. It says, Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's what? Anger. But notice it says for us to seek meekness. Now this word seek obviously is a verb. It connotes action. You and I as believers are to seek after and develop meekness in our life on a daily basis. On a daily basis. And I'm, I have a revolutionary statement I'm going to say tonight. I think will bless you. And if you give it some thought. Without meekness, you don't arrive in any of the great truths of God's word. Without meekness, all the great truths of God's word will begin to crumble in your life and in my life as well. We can talk about love, but without meekness, love will dissipate and crumble. We can talk about the greatness of grace, God's divine unmerited favor to us, but without meekness, Without us seeking it and prevailing in it, then even the grace could start to crumble in the practical aspect of our life. There is no such thing as once meek, always meek. That's not true. Meekness actually fluctuates many times in the life of a believer. It can fluctuate from moment to moment or from situation to situation. And the great example of that is Peter. You guys remember Peter? At one point in time, Peter declares um, that he would never leave the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the next moment, he's denying him six times. At one point in time, Peter walks on the water, right? Remember that great record? And in the next moment, Peter is being <laughs> rebuked by Jesus Christ because of his unbelief. See, so meekness can fluctuate. This is why God tells us here in Zephaniah, seek meekness. 
We are to seek after it. We are to find it and develop it in our lives. I usually don't tell people what to take in their notes, but this next statement I'm going to make, I want to make sure you get it in your notes. And that is this great truth. As an act of our will, seeking meekness supersedes any circumstance or emotional state. I'll say it again. As an act of our will, because that's what meekness is, it is an act of the will. As an act of our will, seeking meekness supersedes any circumstance or emotional state. So when a circumstance comes in your life, you are still to seek meekness. Meekness will supersede that circumstance. Particular emotional state you may get attacked with. It could be anger, it could be depression, it could be confusion. Whatever it may be, meekness supersedes it. So that's why tonight we're talking about seek and prevail in meekness. Some of you know this, or probably all of you know this. Meekness is a strength. The world tries to sell it as a weakness. But meekness is a strength. So what is meekness? We have some of our classic definitions, but based on circumstances and situations, I have grown over the last couple of weeks to see meekness as something else as well. So let me give them to you. Uh, meekness has been described as to be humble. It means to be gentle. Here's one for you. It means to be mild. Here's another great one. Meekness means to be tender-hearted. And here's one I probably like more than all of them. Meekness is to be coachable. You are to be coachable. And I'm going to add the caveat tonight that meekness is also your willingness to hear, accept, and respond to feedback. That is also meekness. I'm going to say it again. It's your willingness to hear, accept, and respond to feedback. Now, often we go to these words and we look up synonyms of the word, but I did the opposite this time. I looked up the antonyms of meekness. So here are the opposite words that describe meekness. Here's one for you. Bullheaded. <laughs> to be bullheaded. Here's one, to be unruly, to be contrary. That's the opposite of meekness. Now, here's the greatest one for me that just struck my heart, and I've been giving it thought ever since I saw it. The opposite of meekness is to be self-willed. Self-willed. Ever been there? Maybe it's just me. I'm going to do this. Doesn't matter what my wife says. Doesn't matter what anyone else may say. I am going to do this. What is that? That's self-willed. That's not meekness. That's not being coachable. That's not being mild and tenderhearted. Just the opposite. So before we go to some more scriptures, let's deal with the practical side of meekness right now. And what do I mean by the practical side? How do we build and live, and live meekness? This is how, several ways. Number one, read the word daily. 
That's the practical side of meekness. Then memorize the word. You read it, then you memorize it. Verse, sections, segments of the word. You know what that word means. You know where to go in the word to find it. Here's another one. Talk and fellowship around the greatness of God's word. Talk and fellowship around the greatness of God's word will help to build meekness in our life. And then the last one I will give you, and that is study the word. I always make the difference between reading the word and studying the word. Reading is just opening it up. Like over the last couple weeks, I've just been... Um, devouring the book of Jeremiah and then reading the book of Ezekiel, just reading, not there to take notes, not there to do other things. Uh, but that's just what I've been doing here lately. And you should get in the habit of that. But then there is a time when you have to study. There's a time when you have to Open up the word, open up your lexicon, open up your concordance and your other research material and just study. Look at it. Do word searches. All these things is the practical side. It will help to build meekness in your life. Well, let's look at some word tonight. Look at uh, Numbers, please. Numbers chapter 12. And we're going to start here because... This word speaks of the first man to ever wear the title man of God is the prophet and the man of God, Moses. So let's look what the word says about Moses here in the book of Numbers. Moses is so great and dynamic that one of the future prophecies regarding the Messiah said that the Messiah would be a prophet like unto Moses. That's how dynamic he was. But look what it says here in Numbers 12. Many of you know this, but let's look at it. What it says uh, about Moses. Numbers 12 and verse 3. It says, now the man Moses was, doesn't just say meek. It says what? Very meek. Above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. That's a pretty dynamic revelation and great um, compliment from God, from Jehovah, about this man Moses. He was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. So if he was very meek, then that means Moses was humble, he was gentle, he was mild, he was tender-hearted towards God, he was coachable. And Moses most certainly was willing to hear, accept, and respond to feedback. That is so important. Now look at the benefit of being meek. Skip down to verse 8. Speaking of Moses, God says, With him will I speak. How? Mouth to mouth. <laughs> Usually when one mouth comes in contact with another mouth, it's called a kiss. And a kiss is indicative of what? Intimacy. See, when you're meek, God will be intimate with you. My God, we can close the teaching on that one. Wouldn't you want God to be intimate with you? Well, he sure will. But the key is, will you be meek? Will you be tenderhearted, mild, gentle? Will you be willing to hear, accept, and respond to his feedback? 
So Moses, he says, with Moses will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. That lets me know when you're meek, you can expect revelation from God and the revelation will be clear. It will not be murky. It will be very clear what God is trying to communicate to you. And it says, and the similitude of the Lord shall he, Moses, behold. This word similitude here means the image, shape, or fashion of God. He will be able to see that. That's how clear the revelation will be. The similitude of the Lord, Jehovah, shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant, Moses? Look at the greatness of the example here. Moses was not just meek, he was very meek. And he was so meek, God said he would speak to him how? Mouth to mouth, on a very intimate level, where there is a benefit of meekness. Now let's see if we can see this practically. Go back to Exodus 18. Practical example of Moses being this meek, very meek man that God had described in Numbers. Exodus 18, uh, Moses is going to listen to the advice, the direction of his father-in-law Jethro. But as we're reading through this record, you have to remember, these are the things that could have tripped Moses up. Who was Moses? Moses was the prophet of Israel. Moses was the one who went into Egypt, had those... uh, God worked with him and allowed those plagues to come down on Egypt to the end that he was able to deliver Egypt. He was the great emancipator of the children of Israel. All these things could have puffed uh, Moses up, could have gave him a great ego, but it did not happen. And here's a practical example of that here in Exodus 18. And we'll pick up the record here in verse 13. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood by Moses from morning until the evening. (laughs) Moses had a full-time job, didn't he? Now remember how many people came out of Egypt? According to conservative estimates, over 2 million people came out of Egypt with this man Moses. And this word says, that the people stood by him from morning to evening. Imagine that. You wake up, came out of his tent, whatever, maybe ate some food, yawned, stretched, step outside the tent, and as far as his eye could see, children of Israel was lined up to see him, to inquire of him. Let's look at this. Let's read further. Verse 14, And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone? And all the people stand by thee from morning until eve. And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. Well, that was definitely one of the responsibilities of a prophet in the Old Testament. People would go to the prophet and say, What thus saith the Lord? To inquire. And this is what uh, Israel is doing. Verse 16, when they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, I get a kick out of this, the thing that thou doest is not good. (laughs) 
Moses explains his heart, what he's doing, and the father-in-law says, hey man, that's not a good thing that you're doing. Verse 18, thou will surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Verse 19, hearken now unto who? My voice. Isn't that tremendous? Moses could allow his ego to get involved and say, hey, wait a minute, Jethro. Do you know who you're talking to? I'm the prophet of God. Do you realize what I've done? But look what Jethro says. Now hearken unto my voice and I will give thee counsel. For God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to God word that thou mayest bring the causes unto who? God. Verse 20. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws and shall show them the way wherein they must walk and the work that they must do. <clears throat> Stop. Let me share something here with you. Jethro is getting Moses back to the true nature of his ministry. All the ministries in the one body, their primary purpose, not that this is the only thing they do, but the primary purpose of an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher is to teach. Moses was no longer teaching. He was in this counseling mode. One person after another all day, and Jethro says, man, this is not good. You're going to wear away. You got to get back to your ministry, which is to what? Teach. That's exactly what happens. You got to be a teacher first, no matter if you're apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. And he tells him here in verse 20, and thou shalt teach them. And he tells them what they should teach. And so after going through all of this and Moses listens, skip down to verse 24 and look what it says. So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had what? Said. What did I just say earlier? Meekness is the ability and willingness to hear, accept, and respond to the feedback. And that's exactly what Moses did. There's your practical example of what it means to be meek. Moses' ear was to the ear of God. It didn't matter the messenger, the person who was standing before him. It mattered what was the person saying. And Moses could see that this was from God. And therefore Moses did what? He listened and carried out exactly what Jethro said. Isn't that fantastic? That's our key example here as we move forward in the scripture of what it means to be meek before God. And you would be blown away. I'm just going to share a little bit at how much I do my best to open my heart to God's people. I talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. I tell them what I'm considering. I talk to my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, my wife, my best friend. I open my heart. I am opening my heart. Why? Because I'm meek. I want people's feedback. I don't want just to assume that I'm right because I'm making a decision to go in a certain direction. I want to hear their feedback. And many times they'll add a piece that I didn't even think about. Or here's the great one that has saved me a lots of times. When I talk to them, I realize I'm wrong. And I better turn around and go a different direction. See? 
But when you get to this place in life that you don't want, number one, to hear feedback, you don't even want to hear it. See, I share with a believer this week, sometimes God's people, believers, will stiff arm you. You want to share with them, you want to help them, and they go, stop, stay out there. Nope, don't want to talk to you, right? They stiff arm you. Well, then what can you do? You got to still be meek and let people be who they are. But that's not the way the word is supposed to work, you see. And let me say this tonight. Every man or woman who has walked with God has excelled in meekness. Just give it a search through the word and you'll see exactly what I'm saying. Every man or woman who has ever walked with God for any length of time has excelled in this principle and this truth of meekness. Please go to Psalm Psalm 25. We're going to be here and look at a number of these verses. Psalm 25, please. We want to seek and prevail in meekness on a daily basis. And the moment you and I, or we permit or allow the adversary to distract us from the word, keep us from reading the word, Speed up life where we get busy and we're running here and we're running there. Pretty soon you will see the fruit and the reality that you're no longer in this stage of meekness. You'll see it. It'll just come up to you. Um, I know I'm at this place now in my life, man, if I go a day, day and a half without the word, it shows. It shows on my face. It shows in my attitude. It shows in my mindset. Things start not going in the direction that God the Father wants or I want or my family wants. And then uh, my wonderful wife often says, you should probably go read. <laughs> you should probably go read some scriptures. You don't seem to be doing real well today. Or she'll say, have you read today? And I'll go, ah, nope, I haven't. So then I got to go read the word. I got to go put my head back in the book. See? It can happen just that quick. Look at Psalm, I said, right? 25. Here's a great one. Look at verse 9. The meek will he, God, guide in judgment, and the meek will he, what? Teach his way. Two benefits of being meek. God will guide you, and God will teach you. Who's your teacher? Who's your professor? God. But he's not going to teach and guide if you're not meek. He's not going to teach and guide if you're bullheaded, self-willed, unruly, and contrary. He's not going to do it. So that's why we want to stay meek, because we want God to teach us. We want God to guide us. Now, let's not get real overly deep and too spiritual here. God can teach and guide you directly. But he can also teach you and guide you through the energizing of ministers. He can also teach and guide you through your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's not get overly spiritual and says, oh, only God teaches me. Well, see, we got to be careful about that. Look at Psalm 37, please. Psalm 37. Here's another great benefit of meekness. Look at verse 11. A future reality, but it also has great benefits here. But the meek shall inherit the earth, 
and shall delight themselves in the abundance of what? Peace. Sometimes I don't have peace because I have a problem in my meekness. Get back to being meek. Get back to being coachable, humble, gentle, tenderhearted, willing to hear and accept and respond to feedback, and the promise of God will be what? An abundance of peace. Do you see why we got to seek after this thing day by day, moment by moment? We got to allow meekness to supersede every single circumstance and every single emotional state that the adversary tries to shake us with. Look at Matthew. Let's divert here for a second. Look at Matthew 16. I looked at these verses of scriptures differently now in light of meekness. Matthew 16. And we are going to talk here a little bit about old Peter, as they would say. So here, in this record of Matthew 16, if you read it, Jesus Christ asked the question, who do men say that I am? Remember that record? Some say you're the prophet. Some say you're Elijah. And in a given moment of time, Peter gets revelation from God about who Jesus Christ is. Even Jesus Christ says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter. I mean, it didn't come from his senses, but my father or the God who's in heaven has revealed this to you. He got revelation from God and God told him who Jesus Christ was. Well, just a few minutes later, <laughs> after having got revelation, he is now at this place where he's no longer meek. And he is literally rebuking Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ tells him what's to come, that he's going to suffer many things. That's in verse 21 of uh, Matthew 16, that he's going to suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed and raised uh, again the third day. Watch Peter's response. This is not meek. This is the opposite of it. This is Peter being self-willed because of an emotional state. Verse 22, then Peter took him. That literally means he grabbed Jesus Christ. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Stop. This wasn't the record of when Peter got revelation from God was not the previous day. It's in the same situation. This is why I'm trying to tell you, it is not once meek, always meek. We can vacillate. We can fluctuate. Verse 23. But he, Jesus Christ, turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of who? Men. Well, we got another definition to add, don't we, to meekness. What is meekness? It is savoring the things of God. You see this word savorous in verse 23? When you get to the church epistles, many times the same Greek word that describes savorous is the, it, it, it describes being like-minded. That's what savorous means. It's the same Greek word for being like-minded. So what does it mean to be meek? It means I'm like-minded with the things of God. That's what it means to be meek. And he's confronting here Peter because Peter's outside the framework. 
Though just a few minutes ago, he was very meek and got revelation from God. But now because of a circumstance, because of an emotional state where his Lord declares that he's going to be killed and raised again, the emotional state of that statement gets to Peter and now he steps outside of meekness. Here's another great definition. Look at verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and do what? Follow me. To deny yourself is a form of meekness. How do I know that? Because the opposite of meekness is to be self-willed. Any person who is self-willed is not denying themselves. Do you see that? Look how clear that is. This is all about this category of not having meekness, not being coachable, not being gentle and tenderhearted, no matter the circumstance, no matter the emotional state. Just look at that. Back to Psalm, please, 149. Here's one you might want to outline in your Bible. I did. I took a highlighter and highlighted. It just struck my heart, this one. Look at Psalm 149. And look here at verse 4. For the Lord, that's Jehovah, the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with what? Salvation. Look how beautiful that is. Number one, God takes pleasure in his people. Are you God's people? Absolutely. Guess what? He takes pleasure in you. Anytime you start thinking that God is out to get you, God is going to condemn you. Oh, putting guilt and all those things on you. It can't be from the true God because this word says he takes pleasure in his people. But look at the second part. He will beautify. He will what? Beautify. The word beautify here in the Hebrew deals with the term glory or glorify. He will glorify. He will beautify the meek with what? Salvation. Now, don't just assume you always know what salvation means, especially in the Old Testament, because the Old Testament definition of salvation can't be the salvation that you and I know now in the Grace Administration. So I looked it up. Listen, listen to these words that describes this word salvation and what God would beautify his people with. This word salvation means welfare. It means prosperity. It means victory. It means deliverance. And it means to be safe or have safety. This is what God will put on your life. This is what God will beautify you with. <laughs> he will beautify you with his welfare, his prosperity, his victory, his deliverance, and his safety. That's what God will do. Isn't that fantastic? But this is why we got to get after this thing called meekness. And once we lose our meekness, guess what? Bye-bye to some of the practical realities of grace. Bye-bye to the practical reality of love and forgiveness and all these other things when we allow the adversary to get us outside of meekness. Now, this is something I have learned that goes back to my original definition. The willingness to hear and accept and respond to feedback is a key 
to remaining meek. One of the characteristics of meekness says you are willing to seek wise counsel. Go ahead and write that one down. That's a characteristic of meekness. You are willing to seek wise counsel. When I don't seek counsel, that may be a sign that I am now being self-willed and not meek. Self-willed and not meek. And one of the things I've learned that many times people don't want at points in times to seek counsel, guess why? Because they're going to do what they're going to do. They don't want anyone to interrupt their plans. They don't want anyone's advice, anyone's direction, because they've been locked into something that may be right and it may not be right. But the only way to determine that is to get some wise counsel. Look at Psalm, please, 16. And so we're going to spend a few minutes here looking at this whole concept of wise counsel because it is a part of being meek. Everybody needs help. Everyone. At some point in time in your life, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, who knows, you will need help. Everyone needs help. Everyone will need some love and support. Everyone will need some wise counsel. Even Jesus Christ needed help. What do you think the whole record in the garden was about? And he asked his men to pray with him. He was under deep, heavy, spiritual situation. He was about to die. And he asked them to pray. Their prayer was to help buttress and support him. He needed help. Psalm 16. Look at verse 7. David writes, I will bless the Lord who have given me what? Counsel. My reins. The word reins deals with disciplined thoughts. My thoughts, my disciplined thoughts also instruct me in the night seasons. But the first part of that, I will bless the Lord who have given me what? Counsel. If it's biblical counsel, it comes from who? God. But does that mean it's always going to show up in the form of God giving you revelation? No. Guess what is happening tonight as I'm teaching? This is the Lord's counsel. If Tim was teaching, it would be the Lord's counsel. If Francisco was teaching, it would be the Lord's counsel. What I'm trying to get you to see, yes, God can deal with us one-on-one. -on -one. That's why I started with Moses. And he can speak to us mouth to mouth. But God can also speak to us through an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Or God can speak to us through and give us counsel through one of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are on the word. Okay? That's what all that means there in verse 7. I will bless the Lord who have given me counsel. Proverbs, please. Chapter 11. We are seeking and we are going to prevail in meekness. Proverbs 11. Look at verse 14, please. Proverbs 11, verse 14, King James says, Where no counsel is, the people what? Fall. This word fall here in the Hebrew means to fail or to be inferior. 
Where there is no counsel, where no counsel is, the people fall. They will fail. They will be inferior. But, in contrast, in the multitude of what? Counselors, there is what? Safety. That word safety here means help and deliverance. In the multitude of counselors. See, if you're meek towards the things of God, if you want to make sure that your life is right on with thus saith the Lord, and you may be a little confused, or you may, just to get yourself established, you're going to seek counsel. That's what the word says, that's what it means. And when you don't seek counsel, you're stiff-arming God. You're stiff-arming your brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh, I got this. I don't need you. That's not right. That is not meekness. Sometimes I know I've gotten revelation from God, but guess what? I go back to the written word to make sure I can find some principle of it. Because guess what? God can't tell me to do something that then violates his word. Sometimes I'll get revelation from God and I'll tell my wife and just get her response on it. And she says, yep. And then it gets established for me. Or I'll talk to one of you about something and it gets established. See, that's how it works. Proverbs 12. Just one chapter over. Oh, here's a great one. Look at verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkeneth unto counsel is what? Wise. And that hearken encapsulates everything I've said earlier. You're willing to accept. You're willing to hear, accept, and respond. That's all what it means to hearken. Let's read that again. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is what? Wise. Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19. Look at this great one. Verse 20. Hear counsel. And counsel can be from God, energized minister, another believer, your brother or sister in Christ. Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. There are many devices in a man's heart, verse 21. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall what? Stand. This is why we got to be meek. This is why we got to be tender. We are pursuing after the things of God. We want to be the ones who savor the things of God. And then we want God's counsel because his counsel will do what? It will stand for how long? Forever. It shall always stand. That's what we're after. Proverbs 20. Look at all these great sections here on this whole process of seeking meekness and seeking counsel. Proverbs 20. Look at verse 18. Oh, there it is. I've been waiting to get to this verse. I've been teaching it already, already tonight. But look at what it says. Proverbs 20, verse 18. Every purpose is established by what? Counsel. And with good advice maketh war. Every purpose is established by what? Counsel. You ever just went out and did something on your own and it fell apart? There it is. It wasn't established. You wasn't sure of what the word or the adversary got you thinking it was right. We see that happen a lot in our practical lives. We don't take the time to go get advice. 
Husbands don't take the time to get advice from their spouse or their wife. The wife doesn't take the time to get uh, information from her head and her husband and just goes out and does things. And what happens? There it is. Look at it again. Proverbs 20. And all of this is a part of the meekness package. Proverbs 20, verse 18. Every purpose is established by counsel and with good advice make war. Look at that. Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27. Here's a beautiful verse. It's not just beautiful, it's a beautiful truth. Look at verse 9. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's on my mind a lot. Uh, because my wife is always, she's got certain types of cologne she likes for me to wear. And she tells me to put it on. And it rejoices her heart. She wears certain types of perfume and I go, hmm. It rejoices the heart. But look at the rest of this. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty what? Counsel. Seeking counsel. I'm going to say it again. It's part of the meekness package. This isn't just about being meek to God. That's where it starts, but we got to be meek to each other. When each other is talking, we need to close this hole right here and open up these two and listen. Because there could be counsel in what Ron says. There could be counsel in what Ashley says or Francisco says. It can be counsel in what I'm teaching tonight. It's all a part of the meekness package. And let's close here tonight looking at the sterling example of meekness. The Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew 5, please. He opens up this public ministry. He opens up this Sermon on the Mount describing meekness. Had to be pretty important if he opens up with it. Matthew chapter 5. And he gets to the, to the mountain. He sits down. Verse 2 said he opened his mouth and he taught them. And he says in verse 3, Bless are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Bless are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Verse 5, Blessed are the who? Meek. This is one of the top things he starts teaching in this Sermon on the Mount. He said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And look at the connection here. Blessed are they which do hunger. Verse 6, and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be what? Filled. There is a connection between your meekness and your hunger for God. The greater your meekness, the greater your hunger for God. If your meekness is less, then you're going to have less hunger for the things of God. Look at that great principle here. And you want to know why tonight we're looking at seeking and prevailing in meekness? Because that's where it starts. That's where it starts. Too many times we're like the little kid in the, uh, in the kitchen. And there's this jar of cookies. And you see little kids up on their tiptoe trying to get to it, but they can't get to the jar of the cookies. Well, that's kind of like meekness. You're in God's word and you're up on your toes trying to get to some of these spiritual delights of God. But you can't get there. Why? Because you're lacking meekness. Meekness will elevate you. 
So you can grab everything that comes from God. Meekness will elevate you. Lack of meekness will keep you down. Okay? Matthew 11, and we'll close there. Look at what the Lord Jesus Christ said. My goodness, if, if Moses was very meek, there must not be words in the vocabulary to describe the meekness of Jesus Christ. And don't tell me meekness is weakness because you see the strength of Jesus Christ on every page of the scriptures, especially in this Matthew, Mark, Luke, John section. You see his strength manifested, but it comes first from where? Him being meek, him being coachable, him being tenderhearted and humble to God as father. And look what he says here as we close out tonight. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am what? Meek. And lowly in heart. Lowly in heart can be described as humble. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your what? Souls. Verse uh, 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is what? Light. Look at the greatness of God's word. Jesus Christ declares, for I am meek and lowly in heart. He says, come unto me and I will... And all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Why can he give uh, you rest? Because he has rest. See, remember what we have been taught. You can never, ever give what you don't have. I'm going to say that again. You can never give what you don't have. If I don't have rest, I can't give rest to you. If I don't have the greatness of God's word bubbling in my heart, I can't give it to you. If I don't have confidence, I can't help you be confident. That's how it works. Well, that's what I wanted to share with you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Let's continue to seek and prevail in meekness. And this meekness will elevate us. It will develop us. It will help us find all the great things of God's word and bring it to us. That's what I wanted to share. God bless.